You're listening to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Erica. We're two former next door neighbors and good friends who love a good chat and a good laugh. We're inviting you to come on in, have a drink, and stay a while. Hey, friend. Hey, friend. Today, we're reflecting on being women and what perspectives and strengths we bring to our lives as women. We'll also talk about what we're calling everyday feminism, and we'll venture into the woo-woo a bit to talk about what I'm calling divine feminine energy. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll have a lot to say about being women and feminists, but first, what's been happening around your neighborhood lately? Just that we successfully went on our first RV trip as a family last week. Um, It was good. It was sweaty to get such, you know, situated. There's a lot of like one time things like you need to get the rugs in there the first time and all the dishes and, you know, so there's a lot of initial setup that won't be like that every single time we go out. But once we got settled, it was amazing. And I mean, honestly, it doesn't even feel right to call it camping because I (laughs) had like a pebble ice maker and a bed. Oh my gosh. And just, I mean, air conditioning, like it's just amazing. So you're, you're glamping. I'm a hundred percent glamping. Um, and now Jeremiah is about to take the girls on their annual dad and kids trip for Labor Day. And I'm going to have the house to myself for a long weekend. And I cannot wait. You and I are doing some podcast stuff. I'm doing some fall decorating. I think I'm doing some organizing. So I'm super excited. The RV is working out lovely. And actually they had booked this trip in California before we had the RV and then a an RV spot opened up. So they thought they were oh. going to have to tent it, which was a big bummer after just right. getting this. But now they can take the trailer. Oh, so that's exciting. Yeah. So it is. We are very excited with our purchase. Jeremiah did hit a small tree with the truck. Okay. I thought you were going to say a small feeling, animal. No, so. no, no. no. Okay. He was feeling flustered. The RV oh. wasn't even hooked up at the time. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't listen to this. He was very, very oh, upset. No. <laughs> but he was just he was just feeling like, yes. you know, yes. checking for the kids, checking right. for the dogs, checking where the trailer was. That sounds just very Just trying stressful. to get it hooked up. And yeah. And so... You know, things are going to break. I said, well, we got it out of our system. Exactly. And now we don't have to feel so precious about it. And let's go go from there. So there you go. That's where we're at. Okay. Well, around our house, as you can see, all of our home updates Mm -hmm. are done. It's Um, so fresh in here. Thank you so much. We, over the past four months, we've got new floors. We had lots of like settling cracks in our drywall repaired. And then we got all new paint, basically like top to bottom. Mm Mm-hmm. Just reflecting on the whole experience, it was stressful at times making just all the decisions about materials, colors, all that stuff. But I am so happy with the way Mm -hmm. everything turned out, everything that we chose. It was definitely chaotic many times to be living through it with three young kids. It is just like Honestly, I think I just went into it knowing like, okay, the house is going to be in disarray and not fully understanding what that would mean and like how long it would be. So probably learned some lessons from there, but we made it through Mm -hmm. and still some decor tasks to finish. We really don't have anything back up on the walls, but just doing that kind of slowly, very intentionally and okay, taking our time with that. So that's awesome. It looks lovely. Loving it. Thank you. So on to our topic today of everyday and divine feminism. To start this conversation, we do want to acknowledge that the experience of being a woman is unique to each individual. As always, we'll share our own personal experiences because that's what we're experts on, but that in no way is meant to diminish how anyone else experiences being a woman. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about being women. I want to know how and what you think of being a woman and maybe how that's changed over time. And I would also love to know what you love about being a woman. Mm, This is such 
all these questions are deep questions they that are. we're going to talk about. So yes. like, I feel like every discussion point could be its own podcast, but, um, I would just say I'm at a place where I feel very comfortable and being at home in my skin being a woman. And I think that comes with age. It comes a little bit with motherhood for me and like raising girls, especially. I feel very in touch with my feminine side. And that's never been something that I'm like, oh, I don't I don't fit in this body that I'm in. I I feel like that's something that um, I do feel like I'm meant to be a woman. Mm -hmm. And I feel very aware lately of my place um, just historically in the yes. greater story of women and history and just like teaching the girls history and what it means to be a woman, just like from a mom's perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also our current political climate. I am just very aware yes. of all that comes with being a woman right now. And uh, b- both for the better and worse, right? Like I'm very aware of the rights and freedoms that I have that I might not have in another generation, I'm very aware of how fragile those are. Um, Yeah, and just like the power dynamics at play with gender are very apparent to me right now. And I just think that comes with um, age and the loss of some naivete, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can only (laughs) ignore it for so long. Um, I would say in terms of changing, I think a big way that being a woman has changed over time for me is that I used to think a lot more about being a woman in in terms of my relationship to men. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like what, if I was attractive to men or not, you know, what men liked in a woman, whatever. And I think part of it just comes from having a great supportive partner that I'm perfectly happy and content with. But even in terms of thinking about what he thinks, Mm -hmm. I just feel like I'm coming into my own where I'm like, I don't, that's, that's, that's not what defines me. Mm -hmm. You know, like what men think about my womanhood is not what defines me. And I think of it a lot more in terms of my relationship to myself and my body and other women than Mm. I do in terms of relating to men. Yeah. So, Oh, I love that. And that doesn't, that's not to say anything negative about men at all. I just think that our culture especially is very, well, lots of cultures are very um, set on defining womanhood as opposed to manhood. Right. Right. And that you, you know, instead of just being its own entity. So mm-hmm. if that, I don't know if that makes any yes, sense. Yes, it does. But I do love being a woman. I love being a woman. I love being a woman now. I don't know if I would have in other decades or other time periods. I love the things that are unique biologically and really spiritually. And we're going to get into this a little bit. I think that especially in terms of relating to other women, mm-hmm. I love the special relationship that you can have with another woman that mm-hmm. is like nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, and a group of women that are healthy and happy and how they can support each other like no one else. And so, yeah, I would say overall, I love being a woman. Mm, I love that. I love being a woman too. I think it is amazing. It's powerful. At the same time, it can also be very challenging mm-hmm. for very various reasons that mm-hmm. we'll get into. So it's both. And I, I feel that oftentimes mm-hmm. in some situations, like when I'm with a group of amazing women, like when we're all together yeah. with our book club, for yeah. example, or in certain experiences of being a mother, I'll just feel this deep appreciation for being mm-hmm. a woman. And like you said, being a woman today, like yeah. in the modern day. And then at other times I will feel what I will call the crushing weight of the patriarchy. <laughs> just a little thing <laughs> called. <laughs> and at those times, it's not that I wouldn't want to be a woman, but I will just feel more Mm -hmm. acutely how our society is not designed to support women. And Mm -hmm. that just feels so frustrating, Mm -hmm. of course, um, to put it mildly. 
And in terms of how, I guess, how I think about being a woman has changed over time, I was thinking back to even when I was like first thinking really about being a girl, being a future woman, and just thinking about being in middle school. Mm -hmm. And of course, definitely being a middle school and teenage girl is very hard. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if I can say it, that it's any harder than being a middle school or teenage boy. Right. I've never had that experience. <laughs> right. It's probably just hard for everyone across the board. I do remember feeling just very self-conscious in middle and high school mm-hmm. and like starting to want to express myself in my being a mm-hmm. girl, my femininity through style, but not really having any idea how to do that. Mm-hmm. I just think that's something that didn't come as naturally to me. And so I also remember feeling just very intimidated by the images and, you know, magazines Mm -hmm. for tweens, teenage girls that I was getting that was reading that showed what a teenage girl is supposed to look Mm -hmm. like. Super thin at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the 90s, it was just all the model thin. Down to the eyebrows. Model thin eyebrows. Yes, (laughs) totally. Oh my gosh. Perfectly clear skin, super Mm -hmm. fashionable clothes. And all of that was just like, I just felt like I almost didn't even have an entry point. Like, like I just unattainable. Yes. Yeah. Like I just didn't even know where to start. And yeah. I just remember feeling, I can only articulate it now, really mm-hmm. how, how that felt unattainable. And, and yet, really, because it kind of was, well, yes. it wasn't real. Oh my gosh, right. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah, like that's really complicated mm-hmm. when it's like, okay, like I'm stepping into like being a girl, like, you know, stepping into trying out being a woman and, you know, and not to say that I didn't have other examples. And I've talked about before how like my mom was this incredible example and continues to be Mm -hmm. of like, you can be a woman and express yourself and it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be all about makeup and fashion and whatnot, but still. Yeah. So I definitely remember that, but compared to then now I feel comfortable, confident. I mean, just 99% of the time, I think, in being a woman and expressing how I want to be a woman, expressing my femininity in the ways that feel authentic to me, Mm -hmm. even even if sometimes that is different than maybe what the cultural Mm -hmm. like pressures are. So yeah, I really like that. Um, what I love, I mean, I guess I love who I am. I love to be able to say that. And for me, of course, that's synonymous with being a woman. So I, I love that. Being a woman has allowed me to have an identity as a mother. Um, I was also pregnant and I gave birth to my children. And those are experiences that I deeply value mm-hmm. and appreciate and that have been really powerful for me that I couldn't have had if I wasn't a woman. Mm-hmm. I also love, like you mentioned, that already in my lifetime, I've seen significant gains for women in terms of breaking stereotypes and having more opportunities, more representation, um, things like that. So it feels like an exciting time to Mm -hmm. be a woman, like a great time to be a woman in history, even if we do have a long way to go still in terms of equity to men. What are the perspectives and strengths of being a woman that you think you bring to your relationships, your parenting and or your work? This is so interesting because I'm constantly thinking about like, but is that because I'm a woman or is that because somebody told me I'm good at that because I'm a woman? So I want to give that caveat that I know that so much of this is just socialized, right? And like internalized messaging. But also I do feel that there is a, for all of the downfall of the patriarchy, (laughs) there is a freedom to be an emotional and creative being that 
we honestly get that sometimes we don't allow men. Mm. I feel like women are, and and it's often seen as a weakness, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but also like we are allowed to be, to care about certain things that I don't think culturally men are as allowed to care about. Mm -hmm. And those happen to be things that I love. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I love aesthetic and design and details and Um, I, I am an emotional person, just Mm -hmm. like if I was a male, I'd be emotional too, but I feel like that would be more stifled in me if I was a male. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I have a creativity and I can do things for creativity's sake more, more so than I feel like men are allowed to sometimes. Mm. I feel like sometimes men are expected to be much more utilitarian. And so I'm not saying this as like a, women are just naturally better at this, but I, I do feel like as a woman, I've been given some of these strengths or the, or these strengths have been encouraged in gotcha. me, mm-hmm. I guess, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. Um, I do feel a sense of nurturing, but I will say it does not come in the form that it often does for people. Like I just want to like snuggle and love on my kids and mm-hmm. be not that I don't do those things, but it doesn't come in the traditional sense. It comes in the sense of this fierce mama bear protectiveness yes. of like anybody that I love, like yeah. kids, spouse, good friends, like mm-hmm. a good friend whose husband is not treating them well, mm-hmm. watch out. Like <laughs> yeah. I have a very, I, I get that mama bear yeah. side of things, like that natural instinct. So I do feel like that comes from being a woman, uh, that particular, like I will That's end right. you. <laughs> So I will flip this yeah, car. I may I not be physically as able to, but I will emotionally and mentally end you. <laughs> so I do feel like that comes with being a woman and that, that female perspective that I lend to like my relationships and my parenting that kind of shows through all across the board. Mm-hmm. So, all right. For me, I thought of a, like kind of a few different things. The first one was that deep caring and mothering instinct. Like you mentioned, I just personally, I've always wanted to be a mother. I remember feeling that way when I was, you know, a, a young girl, mm-hmm. kind of as far back as I can remember. And I do feel the strong inclination to take care of not only my kids and my family, but just other people too, Yeah, you know, anyone like in my circle of mm-hmm. love or that, that needs care. Mm-hmm. And I love that about myself. I love the good that it puts into the world. It feels really good to take care of other people and that it does seem to come naturally to me. So leaning into that. And then I thought of several strengths that are kind of all related and weirdly all start with C. So here they are. Okay. Communicating, connecting, collaborating, and curiosity about others. Mm. So I I feel like it's kind of a stereotype, but I do love to talk to other women Mm -hmm. and process things Mm -hmm. like out loud verbally. Um, And so I love doing that with women. And that's just part of who I am. I mean, I do want to say that I also process things verbally with Chris and Chris is an amazing communicator and listener, but there definitely is something different Mm -hmm. talking to your girlfriends than isn't that interesting too? like the communication piece that I feel like is think of how women survived literally back in the day who was just with their tribe of other women. Right. right? And Mm -hmm. like, they just did what they could within the system that they lived in. And so that's just been like, yeah, almost ancestrally passed down to us. I feel like. Yeah. That's so true. In terms of connecting and collaborating, I remember reading or hearing 
that in a community of people, if you give men money and power, that they tend to hoard it. Mm. But if you give the money and power to women, that they use it to take care of and lift up the whole community. Mm. Obviously, there are exceptions right, to that. Right. But I do, I do just feel like I see that in the communities of women that I'm a part of, both mm-hmm. in person and online. And mm-hmm. I just really value being part of that and my contribution to mm-hmm. those communities. And there's just like, just this really collective, wonderful feeling of support Mm -hmm. from that. In terms of curiosity, I I feel like I just love knowing about other women's lives. Mm -hmm. And I notice that about other women too, maybe more so to the extent that I notice Chris feeling that or like noticing that from other Mm -hmm. men. And I just really enjoy reflecting on and sharing aspects of my life and hearing that from Mm -hmm. other people. And I think I feel like really supported and give support when I do that through this podcast, through my blog and through sharing on Instagram, Mm -hmm. honestly. So just kind of interesting. And it's interesting too, when I have talked to Chris explicitly about this, like how he uses Instagram and like podcasts that he listens to and like what he gets from it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not that kind of community support. It's like, information sharing, things like that. But it is really interesting. I think that's what a lot of women that I've talked to for me personally. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like really different maybe than a, than a, or just even what you hear men talking to their friends about, Mm -hmm. or when you say like, Oh, what'd you guys, you know, talk about on a guy's night or something. And it's always, yeah, it tends to be more informational, Mm -hmm. more like, you know, talking about an outside topic or politics or sports or whatever. And women have this like, I do feel like it comes from ancestral like mm-hmm. support that we had to give each other of just like getting in there yeah. in the weeds with each other and getting vulnerable a lot yeah. quicker. And it's yeah. actually really interesting because Chris actually loves to have those deeper, yeah. more vulnerable conversations, but he has a harder time finding men mm-hmm. to connect with that like want to engage in that kind of conversation. And he has a core group of guy friends. That's honestly really incredible that there's like a whole group of them. I mean, they will do their weekends away and it's like sauna, hot tub all weekend long, just deep talk hours and hours, you know? And so, but I, I just do find that that seems very rare. I don't hear of a lot of men doing that. So interesting. What about what's challenging about being a woman? Is there anything, Erica? <laughs> Nothing at all. Um, I will say our biology is challenging. It's a little less straightforward, or it's at least been given less scientific research right. to become straightforward. Totally. I do think there's more moving parts, just mm-hmm. chemically, hormonally going on. We internally. Have more internally, yeah. I mean, even our reproductive organs are more complicated. So I do think that that is a challenge that the world has not fully realized, mm-hmm. like how much that impacts our everyday life. I don't, I don't think we realize it ourselves. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the lack of attention to that. Something that's been challenging for me is even the cultural narrative of biology and motherhood mm-hmm. and where I, I feel like the the physical sacrifices made by becoming a mother, which are incredible and beautiful. And I, mm-hmm. honest to God, don't know how anybody does it. <laughs> but like that is hailed as in and of itself the the way you are a mother, right? right? The true, that's, that's the be all and end all. Right. Because you gave birth to this human, you are a mother. Right. And obviously I did not do that. My children are adopted. And I think that I often feel left out of that um, conversation culturally or have that like, can we broaden the scope of what it, I think because it's such an amazing biological thing and such a, 
you know, profound common experience for so many women. It's almost held on this pedestal that Mm -hmm. can be challenging for women that couldn't do that, women that chose not to do Mm -hmm. that, women that became a mother another way or don't Mm -hmm. don't want to be a mother. It's almost like that was all we had to offer for so long that we're still kind of holding it up on this pedestal that I feel like is challenging Mm -hmm. um, as a woman who in any way falls on the outside of that. Um, I do think, too, just the constant reprogramming, like you said, from the teenage Mm. years on of like not having the mental maturity even at that point to critically analyze like, I mean, I'm having conversations with my girls like this about like they keep talking about how they love Ariana Grande's hair. And I'm like, you know, that's probably not her real hair, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. Like, and it's not, I said, that looks really pretty on her. You're right. But like most people don't have that long and smooth of a ponytail. And like you can change your hair with hair pieces, with wigs all the time. And celebrities do it all the time. Yes. Those probably aren't her real eyelashes either. Mm -hmm. They're probably not her real nails. Like just so they don't grow up with this expectation that like you can choose to do that if you want. But it's not just because she's inherently more blessed than you are in the hair department. You know what I mean? So I just think that there is this constant effort to reprogram myself, Mm. to reprogram my girls in terms of the cultural messages still being sent to to honestly, like, I'm like, what year is it? Right. What year Uh, is it? We're still airbrushing all the photos and we still aren't okay with the woman with gray hair. Like I just saw a news anchor in Canada got fired when she let her hair grow gray. (gasps) Oh, And it's like this whole big controversy, you know, and I don't know any more details than that, but just, I'm like, I mean, I can believe that, that that's like not the look that the network was going for or Mm -hmm. whatever. And so it just, I feel like that is a challenge to not get number one, really cynical Mm -hmm. and grouchy about it. And, and to really build yourself and your community up when there's all this messaging that says you're not good enough, Mm -hmm. you're not thin enough, Mm -hmm. you're not perfect enough. And so that is probably what I find to be the biggest challenge as a woman. Yeah. Well, there are definitely things that I find challenging about being a woman. And I think part of it that feels so challenging and is fresh and frustrating is that I think the majority of it comes from societal expectations almost, which is honestly makes it more frustrating because it means that we just made it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? We just made this up (laughs) where it's Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't have to be this way. So anyway, yes, you can go down this very cynical path. Mm -hmm. So there is a quote from the book, the giver of stars by Jojo Moyes Mm, that we both loved. And I think this was even in very early chapter. And I just remember it struck me as soon as I heard it. So it just captures a truth so simply and profoundly. Here it is. Quote, and there is the bare truth of it for her and all the women around here. Doesn't matter how smart you are, how clever, how self-reliant. You can always be bettered by a stupid man with a gun. Mm. And that just struck me because I guess I just feel this frustration that or a fear almost that I could always be bettered by any a-hole man who right. is stronger Just than stronger me and or, or has more like societal power, you know? Right, right. And it's kind of one of those things, like it even says in the quote, like it doesn't matter how far we've come, how self-reliant you mm-hmm. are. It kind of unfortunately comes down to like this biology mm-hmm. and this societal power mm-hmm. that we have not overcome at this point. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that is just like a, a bare a bare truth of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have 
felt and still feel a frustration about the way the work of women is not valued mm-hmm. or compensated the way that the work of men is both mm-hmm. for paid work and for the work of motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I have definitely felt that at times when I was working full time, there would always kind of be a question in the back of my mind. Like if I was a man, would I be getting paid right. more? Right. Even as I tried to do as much as I could in terms of like bring up my salary, like, right. you know, things like that. Um, I just always kind of wondered. Mm-hmm. And, and there was also, and there's really kind of like no way to know. And there was no way for me to know. <laughs> right. Exactly. When I was a full time working mom, I definitely felt just that the workplace was not a supportive place for mothers, Mm -hmm. even though I was working at a large university, Mm -hmm. which like, you know, of all places Mm -hmm. is a more supportive place to work. Right. If you're a woman, if you're a working mom, but I still just felt that, um, it's kind of interesting to reflect on it because at that time, so that was 2018 and earlier. Mm -hmm. So not that long ago, but I was able to, um, set up my schedule so that after I had kids, I worked from home on Fridays. Mm -hmm. But I always felt like I was being given kind of this special allowance. Now, Mm. part of it might have just been my own, like, kind of feel like putting guilt on myself that I didn't need to. But I will say there was at least one instance when supervisor, a direct report who was a man, I felt like questioned me about it in Mm. a passive aggressive Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. that was kind of like, "Mm, what are you really doing? Right. It wasn't about mm-hmm. like, hey, are you, like it seems like you're not getting this work done. Let's right. talk about it. Right. It was just like questioning. Just general questioning of what you're doing with your yeah. Friday work time. Yeah. And it's interesting to reflect. I mean, I think um, hopefully a silver lining from the pandemic is many more workplaces. I've definitely heard from all, nearly all of my full-time mm-hmm. working friends that mm-hmm. they are able to work more flexible schedules in ways that work better for them right. than pre-COVID, right. even at places where like working from home wasn't even on the table. Right. And so it's interesting to reflect, like, I think if that had been more accepted, um, and was more available to mm-hmm. me, I just think about how my experience as a full-time working mom could have been eased a right. bit, right. you know, when and just it, how that differed from Chris's experience as yeah. a full-time working dad, probably yeah. and the tensions that you felt that mm-hmm. he didn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to encounter, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely that has been on my mind. Um, in terms of beauty and body standards, I actually did want to talk about gray hair in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I am getting gray hair and I'm letting my hair gray naturally. And I feel like a couple of ways about this in, okay, many, many, many women mm-hmm. dye their hair in mm-hmm. particular, like to cover the gray. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone should be able to do whatever right. they want to their appearance and express themselves however they want. Right. But then at the same time, I'll feel this... Like, I'll feel like, but I feel like so many women feel pressured to color their hair because the standard of beauty for women is to be young. And it's Mm -hmm. like, we don't say that it's appropriate to show your gray hair. Mm -hmm. And then I'll feel frustrated that it's like, well, then I feel like I'm looking older than my peers because I'm choosing not to color my gray hair. If we all just weren't coloring our hair. Yes, exactly. So I feel both ways about it. Like, I, I want everyone to put whatever color, whatever makeup, Mm -hmm. all those things Mm -hmm at the same time that I wish there was just less pressure to do yes, it. Yes. So I, I agree. I feel that way, but that is why I love, I get so excited to see women, everyday women mm-hmm. out in the world with gray mm-hmm. or white hair, especially when it's like still long, Yeah. you know, when it's not just like cropped short and right, stuff. Right. I just, 
I, or it's like before they're in their 80s. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Yeah. Whenever I see that, I feel like I'm just like so taken mm-hmm. and like I can't stop staring mm-hmm. at those women. And I'm I'm trying to be better about giving them compliments because yeah. I truly do think it is so beautiful. And I also am just like, thank you for wearing your hair that way because mm-hmm. it makes me feel more comfortable mm-hmm. wearing my hair naturally. Yeah. So I love that. My mom just recently started letting her hair go gray naturally, but doing it, you know, with the help of someone kind of helping her color yes. it gracefully into, into her gray. And she has just, it looks gorgeous. It looks number so one. good. I even, it te- so I even texted you about it when yeah. I saw a picture of it. You did. And it's, she has said how empowering it has been and how she actually feels a lot prettier. Wow. She feels a lot more like herself because yeah. she doesn't feel like this, oh, I got to do something right. about these grays, like battling with her mm-hmm. own aging. You know what I mean? So I just, yeah, I was like, that's really like inspiring yeah. actually. And also I like that shade of silver your hair is yeah. coming in and hopefully mine does the same. <laughs> that's right. Hopefully you pass that down to yeah. me. <laughs> okay, let's talk about what we're going to call everyday feminism. For us, in our lives, what we mean by feminism is a philosophy that means everyone should be treated as equals and that doing so creates a better world for everyone. And we're talking about everyday feminism because we think you can practice that important work of being a feminist in your everyday life. So I would love to talk to you about what being an everyday feminist means for you. I love this. Okay, first of all, I'm going to start with what it does not mean. Okay. It does not mean that I think all women are automatically better than all men. Yep. It does not mean I hate men. Right. This term has been hijacked quite yeah. a bit by people saying all feminists are blah, blah, blah. Right. It does not mean that you have to be a woman to be a feminist. Totally. Um, it does not mean I have to always vote a certain way or always have a certain faith or always like it doesn't have to fit uh, an archetype other than <laughs> I think everybody, like you said, should be given equal opportunity and that makes everything better for everyone, including men mm-hmm. um, and including those that are non-binary. So first of all, to me, it makes it, it means making sure our boys and girls know that the full range of emotions, experiences, and opportunities is available to them and that they are encouraged to go after whatever lights them up. Yep. Um, I think that that is super important and that we're doing a major disservice to girls and boys when we don't open that up. I think there's been, it's been great to see, you know, more movement on the girls can do anything Mm -hmm. front, but also so can boys (laughs) and like boys can play with dolls too. They're going to be fathers someday. Most of them, like it just, I, I really think that it's important for both. Um, to me, it looks like expecting and communicating regularly about equality in our marriages. Mm. I have no expectation that something is inherently my task because I'm a woman or vice versa. Mm. Like the things Mm -hmm. that we've decided are whoever's task are because that maybe is something we're more interested in Mm -hmm. or more naturally good at, or it's something that sucks that we just had to split up and divide and conquer. You know what I mean? Men and women hate doing the compost. (laughs) And honestly, like, I feel like this is something I'm constantly surprised by Mm. when we hear from listeners, when we talk to our friends that that is not the expectation everywhere. And to me, beyond the politics, beyond the workplace dynamics, all of that, I think this really starts at home. Mm -hmm. And it starts with teaching your kids this, and it starts with expecting it in your own relationships. And unfortunately, sometimes we might have to be the catalyst for that as a woman, as the, you know, ones who maybe historically have not had that same equity. But I think it's really important, and I think it is 
I'm just mama bear cheerleading you to have honest conversations with your spouse. And I think you would be surprised at how much there, how much is just a communication issue and a um, kind of unspoken expectation issue that nobody is addressing. And you might be feeling this resentment about it. That doesn't have to be like that. Like you said, we made this stuff up. Right. (laughs) We made it up that women should do the dishes. Right. No. At my house, my husband does the dishes all the time. And my kids now. Mm -hmm. I, I, you want to know how many dishes I do? None dishes. None. To almost where like I can't even remember to put my own in the dishwasher. So like you said, it's all made up. Just talk about it. Um, I do think it's very important that feminism also means lifting up other women. Yes. And I, I do think this is something we do well naturally, but I think sometimes in the fight for equality, we step on each other. Mm. And for that seat at the table, we knock somebody else out of the way. And I think that True feminism uplifts all women. And then I think feminism means having the freedom to be fully myself from things that are very traditionally women's roles, like now homeschooling and staying home with my kids and painting my nails and wearing makeup to loving football and owning my opinions and being decisive and being a preacher if I wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know, or running for office. Like, I just think that that, again, that full range of experiences and opportunities and um, preferences should be available to everybody. Yes. Okay. 100% to everything. Everything you said. I'm going to echo a lot of what you said. I thought about definitely supporting other women. I thought about this in terms of supporting the work of other women, mm-hmm. whether that you're doing that through paying for it or just like validating it, sharing it, things like that. Um, supporting and validating the opinions of other women, celebrating women's bodies and their Mm -hmm. natural beauty. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Buying books by women, buying their art, reading their articles. This has been interesting lately over the past, I don't know, few years, I have just found myself kind of chafing at podcasts and books that are created only by men me too i have just i have just noticed this it's not bad okay that's this is it's our just, right i feel like it's the pendulum swing though too yeah. a little bit like it's a it's this overcorrection that i right. feel i need to make. right yeah. and i'm trying to be aware of it but mm-hmm. a few different podcasts have been recommended to me and then i look into it it's like but it's just two guys talking and yeah. I have no desire right. in listening to just two guys talking. Their opinions already dominate everything, I just which is like... different to me than two women talking. Yeah. It's not just that I'm not a dude, so I can't relate. It's that like, I've heard there's enough already the dominant. Exactly. Sir, I've heard enough. I've Sit heard down enough. and be quiet. You've had the dominant discourse. Right. But yeah, to, to not have that turn into like man bashing is hard sometimes, but also, yeah, I... I have a hard time supporting it. Yeah. Yep. Same. I also thought about um, staying informed about how laws and decisions are affecting women and all Mm. other groups of people who aren't white males and just being informed about that, voting, making donations to support equality in, you know, whatever ways Mm -hmm. are important to you. Like you said, definitely raising my kids to be feminists. And by that, like you said, just raising them to see that there, that there are opportunities available to boys and girls, men and women, that it mm-hmm. shouldn't be sorted just based on gender. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually talked about this topic a lot in our episode called Raising Girls, Raising mm-hmm. Boys, and we'll link to that in our show notes. Um, so can listen to that. For me, this also looks like everyday ways like getting books that show girls and boys and people not limited by stereotypes Mm -hmm. and having conversations about respecting others, celebrating who they are as girls, as boys, all of that stuff. 
Um, I do want to talk about a funny little anecdote that happened recently. So in school, I guess Dash has a little assignment that they had was to memorize part of the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. And he was like excited to show us. And it was like really cool. I was very impressed and stuff. But then afterwards, here's the line. We hold these truths Mm -hmm. to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And I was like, okay, Dash, here we go. So I like, I'm so proud of you, but let's talk about this. Where am I in that statement? Yes. And what about, let's talk about, you know, the people who wrote this very Mm -hmm. important document were all white men. Mm -hmm. Many of them were slave owners. Mm -hmm. What did that mean? Mm -hmm. These men, they're saying all men are created equal. They didn't mention women. Also, they didn't think that people with dark skin Mm -hmm. were equal. So we just had this, this whole conversation that, you know, Dash is very receptive to, and we've been having conversations about, about that. And so it's almost just to this point where when things like that kind of come up or he was talking about it, I'll just kind of like give him this look Uh and he's like, no mom, I know, I know that it's not right. And it's not fair. You know, it's how it was, and it wasn't okay. And I don't agree with it. But anyway, so that was just like kind of a fun. I really, really got on my soapbox, and I could like just see Chris in the background that he's like, "Ooh, I just got to give her this minute to have her peace." (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) And another thing. (laughs) All right, now I want to invite you and our listeners to step away from the practical and explore the divine and mystical. I feel like we need chimes right now. Like some some wind chimes or something. (laughs) I think this is like a first on the podcast, so that is fun. I have been thinking about what I am calling the divine feminine or goddess energy for a few years. I'm super intrigued, really inspired by it, but honestly, I'm still figuring out what I mean by it. So, (laughs) so I've got an inkling. So so part of that is having conversations about it. So I would just love to know, what do you think about that idea? Where do you find the divine feminine Mm -hmm. in your life? Oh man, this is, this is going to get meaty. Buckle up. Let's get into it. Okay. So I was raised in a conservative Christian home and do consider myself a person of faith and a person who identifies as a Christian in terms of that is the, my path to spirituality that, that I connect with. Um, but what that looks like has changed a lot for me over time. And in fact, a lot of my faith deconstruction journey is based in what it means to be a woman and a Christian and taking apart what it actually means to me or what I think my faith says it means from what mainstream American evangelical culture has made it mean, um, or teaches that it means. And I, and I believe I grew up, um, you know, I had a say, I've talked about this before. Like, I don't feel like I was raised in very sexist ways or anything like that. My parents did a great job of treating both their boys and their girls with respect and giving us all the opportunities and, and a say and an opinion. Um, but just in terms of like the broader church culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, this means like my personal belief is I do believe humans are created by a loving God and in that God's image, which entails both the masculine and the feminine equally. So I think the real tragedy of misogyny in Christian circles is leaving out a whole side of who God is mm-hmm. and who God created us to be. And again, I don't think it's as simple as like, the literal rib from Adam. I, mm-hmm. that, that I'm not even sure what that means exactly. I just feel like there's intention behind our creation mm-hmm. um, and I can't explain it and that's okay. And I'm okay with not being able to explain that anymore. Um, but e- embracing that feminine that clearly 
was meant to be there. Mm -hmm. And if all people are created in God's image, you can't, you can't remove 50% of the people without also removing divinity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think our connection to nature, the way women's bodies work, like the moon mm-hmm. is freaking amazing. <laughs> and like the cycles of it. And again, teaching my girls about this, I'm reminded of how much I wasn't taught about mm-hmm. that and how much I'm like, that is incredible. Right. And there is something magical about that. That is not just like accidental or mm-hmm. not something to pay attention to, right? That like literally our moon and our calendar and everything goes along with women's menstrual cycle. Right. What? Like, right. do we all know this? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then just like the, just how how nature is so cyclical and how I found myself as a woman and other women beyond just the menstrual cycle even. I think we're very in tune to the cycles of life mm-hmm. in a way that is just this special connection to nature, to God, to whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our ability to literally give life with our bodies. I mean. <laughs> I'm like pulpit slamming now. That's right. But like that is just undeniably divine and intentional yes. in my opinion. And there is a spiritual aspect to that, that no matter how you practice it, I, I think it's undeniable mm-hmm. in my, in my opinion. Um, I am still very much in this process and honestly, I could give a whole sermon and write a whole book <laughs> on it myself one day. But in the meantime, I thought I would just share some books. If you are a person of the Christian faith in particular, and you have been kind of deconstructing this and pulling this apart and exploring this. I want to give you some books that I have read or am reading that talk a lot about this. So buckle up. Okay. And we will link to all these in show yep. notes. But one of the first ones that gave me, got me thinking along these path, this path is Sarah Bessie's book called Jesus Feminist, An Invitation to Revisit the, Bi- the Bible's View of Women. That is incredible. Mm. I can't even say enough good things about it. And it's not... I think so many people are afraid to look at their faith critically and think that you can't ask questions of your faith and also take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And so I love the fact that she's like, hey, have you considered that maybe the Bible is telling us this very opposite thing than has culturally been, you know, taken over and Mm -hmm. hijacked from the dominant misogyny in our culture? And maybe we're maybe we need to revisit some of these and see what they actually mean in terms of historical context, how radical it actually was at the time what that's actually saying to to us now. And Mm -hmm. so anyways, love that one. Another one is A Year of Biblical Womanhood, How a Liberated Woman Found Herself Sitting on Her Roof, Covering Her Head, and Calling Her Husband Master by (laughs) Rachel Held Evans. And this is really interesting. Rachel has since passed on. She's an amazing voice in this field. But um, she did an experiment where she's like, okay, you want to talk about biblical womanhood? Mm -hmm. Let's see what that actually looks like Mm -hmm. right now. And let's see all the ways we're being hypocritical because you're not sitting in a red tent when you have your period and you're not covering your head for everything, but you want to take these other things from the Bible as super prescriptive. Mm -hmm. So that is just like, she literally did an experiment to see like, is it even possible to live this way that they're saying we should live? Um, Another one that was just really influential for me, and it's a novel, actually, and I've talked about it on the show before, but Sue Monk Kidd's novel, The Book of Longings. Yes. I, it's in my top 10 books of life. It is probably my favorite work of fiction that I've read on faith, honestly. That and The Shack, which is another oh. one I recommend for this idea of gender in faith. Um, it's beautiful. It's incredible. It highlights 
especially Jesus' relationship to women, mm-hmm. but still is very true to the Bible, I think, and history and the historical context of the time. And I just can't say enough about that. Any writing by Anne Lamott or Jen Hatmaker. Um, and then these are a couple that I have on my list. Okay. The Making of Biblical Womanhood, How, sub- how the Subjugation of Women Became Gospel Truth. Oh. By Beth Allison Barr. Great. Get it, Beth. Yes. Get it. That's on my list. <laughs> Here's another one. Pastrix, The Cranky Beautiful Faith of a Sinner and Saint by Nadia Boltz Weber, who is a Lutheran um, minister okay. and a female. And then I just bought The Gospels, a new translation by Sarah Rudent. It is literally the first translation done by a woman. Hello. What? Are we missing some some thoughts, oh perhaps, goodness. of half perhaps. the population? So this perhaps. is just Matthew, wow. Mark, Luke, and John, books of the Bible. Wow. Uh, translated by a woman. That's and fascinating. In, in that historical context and through that lens. That's so, really interesting. So that, those are my two cents. I am very much unpacking this still. Yeah. But you could get me going. I mean, you give me a cocktail Ooh. and... Uh, a minute and we could talk about this yes (laughs) might need a part two one more thing i forgot to mention which i just purchased on etsy and downloaded it is from barefoot in the trees and it is called the moon within literature guide a coming of age puberty and menstruation unit study and it really is tapping into that idea like the inclusive experience that how how our rhythms go with nature and like teaching the girls about that in a very and including some of that that spiritual side of it that connection side of it how we're all connected and it's not just textbook like mm-hmm. medical yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. and so i got this to kind of include in our um morning basket studies it actually uses a book called the moon within oh, which oh, is about beautiful. a girl who's like kind of becoming a woman and how her family is celebrating her and teaching her about that. It does have like, I mean, it has like a straight up uterus craft. All right. Like it is just Here for the uterus. It's craft. so cool. Oh my there's gosh. like all of these, like there's a That's mandala. Really cool. There's like, like it is like your parts are beautiful mm-hmm. and here's what they're for. And, to and be here's celebrated. how they connect to nature. That's and awesome. It's really cool. So I haven't started it yet. Full disclaimer. So I don't know if I, I mean, I don't have a review for it yet, but I was like, I got to get that. That Mm -hmm. feels like right what we're talking about. Yeah. So for me, this whole concept is something I really found myself thinking about towards the end of my pregnancy with Maeve and then afterwards. Initially, I thought about it because during my pregnancies and especially with Maeve, I just felt like because I was pregnant, which anyone can see, you know, it's just this very Mm -hmm. like visible sign of like something that's just womanhood. Mm -hmm you know, that like very womanhood considered in our culture, you do just get this kind of special attention just Mm. being out and about like from strangers, Mm -hmm. but definitely from friends and family. And you feel your baby moving around inside of you. I mean, that's just a wild experience and like a reminder, like I am bringing life into the world. Like an alien being is inside my actual body. It is very wild. And just like that it just feels so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I just felt very in touch with that. I honestly like felt like this goddess. Yeah. I was like, I am bringing life yeah. into the world. And also I want a salted pretzel right now. <laughs> yeah. Like I get what I want. <laughs> yes. So, so like all of that, but then after 
for me, after I had my baby, you get this attention for like a little bit, but it honestly fades very quickly. Mm -hmm. And being out in the world, even if I just had a baby like two weeks ago and I'm still like sustaining a human life with only my body and, you know, sacrificing all of Mm -hmm. myself nearly, my sleep, my time, all of that. There is no longer just a visible clue that I'm like in this special place or deserve any like special credit or Mm -hmm. attention. And yeah, just when you probably need it the most, honestly, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so the, the, that experience and like the juxtaposition of those two experiences, I don't know. It's just thinking, and there's nothing else in life that, that compares Mm -hmm. to that for me that Mm -hmm. I thought I would you know, experience. So yeah, I just started to think about other ways to tap into and celebrate that divine goddess feminine energy, Mm -hmm. because I did feel like I felt so connected to it while I was pregnant, but also feeling like, well, I know it's not that it's absent now, but I need to find other ways into it. Yeah. So that's kind of what got me thinking about it. So I was reflecting on three different places in my life where I feel this. The first one is pregnancy and childbirth, which is in the past, in the past for me. (laughs) Officially. Let me be clear. (laughs) But I did just want to elaborate a little bit on that. I did feel that divine feminine energy during each of my three pregnancies, but I felt it especially with my pregnancy with Maeve. Mm. I think that was due to having a girl, which had always like always was something that Mm -hmm. I wished for Mm -hmm. and wasn't sure would happen. And so that just felt really special knowing that I was bringing another female into Mm -hmm. the world. And I just felt, uh, yeah, a a really deep connection Connection with that. Um, I also, I wasn't working full time for the first time during my pregnancy Mm -hmm. with Maeve. And I feel like I just had more time to enjoy and like take care of my body Mm -hmm. and just like kind of really dwell in that Mm -hmm. like special experience. Another place I found it in my pregnancy with Maeve was when I would go for my checkups. Mm. While I was pregnant with Dash and Cedric, I went to a practice that was OBGYNs and midwives. And I saw the midwives while I was there, which personally for me was a really special experience, like seeing midwives. And I really liked that experience and the attention Mm -hmm. and the relationship that I built with them. But when I was pregnant with Dash and Cedric, it was still more of like a medical practice. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was pregnant with Maeve, I was seeing some of those same midwives, but they had since left and started their own Mm -hmm. birth center. Mm -hmm. So instead I was going to this birth center and just the difference between the two places and the mm. energy and the feel of them Support. it was so different it just it felt so calm and supportive and it really felt like you know welcome into the door you goddess of life <laughs> Like, You're come, like, yes. come sit on this soft sofa yes. and, can, and you probably are hungry. Here's a basket of snacks. Oh, and man. just, you know, like yeah. instead of like waiting in more of like a, a waiting room mm-hmm. and, and just all of that. And just the way that for me that I had relationships with like the midwives, it would be just like first, like sit on this little comfortable sofa and like, how are you doing and yeah. how are you feeling? And then if there was something they needed to check, they were like, and then why don't you come over here and like sit on this like medical table? By the way, we won't just be invasive for the sake of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, just all of that, that, um, you know, I just, it just fell, it really, really tapped into and like really heightened that experience. And then 
Um, giving birth at the birth center. I had a really wonderful experience giving birth there. And just comparing that to my experience of giving birth at a hospital was just very stark, even though I was attended by midwives Mm -hmm. at the hospital. Um, just the birth center. So, like I said, like quiet and calm And that particular day, Chris, I was the only birthing mom there. Okay. And so it was like, just me, Chris, a midwife and a birth attendant. It was like Mm -hmm. this quiet Sunday morning. Um, the, the birthing rooms look like a very nice hotel room Mm -hmm. versus being in a medical hospital Mm -hmm. room. And honestly, just the, in a, in a hospital setting, it's like, you are a medical condition. And something's wrong. That needs to be treated. Yes. That's wrong. Yes. We're here because something very likely could go wrong. Yes. And that is not to say or diminish any, like right. every, I want right. everyone to know that I'm supportive of whatever However way you want to do it. You choose yep. to birth. And, and sometimes you don't have a choice in that. I totally recognize right. that, but just the comparison between, yeah, just thinking about those two experiences for me versus being just in this place that was just set up for calmness, for support, mm-hmm. um, and designed by women for women. Yes. There is something to that. It was, and there's it like was, a divine was, aspect yes, to that. Yes. It was really incredible. And another aspect, birthing at the birth center, I was able to be in a tub and give birth, mm-hmm. which is not allowed like by law at a hospital mm-hmm. in at least in Arizona. Okay. Just differs state by state. And that was just a really incredible, felt very natural, like being in this like natural element, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. water and giving birth in that way was just really felt very natural and was very different than giving birth like on a bed with people in between my legs. <laughs> right? I mean, go figure. That felt better. <laughs> so, so yeah. So anyway, just all, all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are just, I love the, I love that. I was very lucky that, you know, everything went so well, right. had a healthy pregnancy and it worked out, but that is still just experiences that I am thankful for and and draw a lot of like inspiration Mm -hmm. and and power from. Mm -hmm. I love that. Another um, place that I feel this is when I am exercising with women Mm -hmm. and I feel this in Mm -hmm. particular at my high fitness classes. Mm -hmm. This is a cardio exercise class with choreography to like current fun music and men are allowed. I've seen like maybe a man a couple of times, but (laughs) that generally not. It is just a group of like, you know, 15 to 30 women. Like I said, I feel like I'm still trying to wrap my head around exactly Mm -hmm. what it is, but I just wanted to describe some of the aspects of class that like give, that help to give me this feeling. Mm -hmm. You're in a room of women. Most of them are also mothers and you're all moving in the same way. So it's not like in my different like orange theories classes where there's lots of women, but like you're on a treadmill or or even if we're both in the weight station, we're like doing different things. We are all, all synchronized, synchronized. Exactly. We're moving our bodies in ways that could be considered suggestive if men were there, Mm. but men are not there. So it's just for your own. It is for enjoyment. Yeah. It is Mm -hmm. for me. It is for me to like move my body in these fun ways that would have a totally different meaning if I did them anywhere else. And we're just like enjoying doing that together. And it's like that whole defining yourself in terms of your relationship yes. to a man, right? That, yes. that removing that aspect exactly. allows like that femininity to come through. Exactly. The class and the movements are so joyful. And at the same time, as I've gotten to know other women in the class, I also am aware of some of the really hard mm. 
even tragic things that they have experienced Mm -hmm. in their lives. And so there's something like, I just feel this where I'm like, we're all here moving together joyfully and so energetically. Mm -hmm. And yet I know that there are hard things in your life and it helps me acknowledge like there are also hard things in my life, but I'm here with you and this is great. And it lifts me up. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that's very profound. And another aspect of it is as I've gotten to know people in the class over time, I know for sure that we many people in the class that we feel very differently about current political Mm -hmm. things. And there's also something so beautiful and powerful to me about coming together in this joyful way and Mm -hmm. that not being a part of it. And we're connecting on something more important and deeper. We are women. We are mothers. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how you feel politically. There is the burden of the patriarchy on us all. Right. (laughs) Right. You know? Yep. And, And we don't even talk about that, but there's also something beautiful of having those connections and relationships that, that it's not a part of, mm-hmm. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Ugh. I find that really powerful. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I feel when I'm at my high fitness classes. I also feel, uh, I don't feel the same energy, but I feel a divine feminine energy of kind of a different sort when I'm at my orange theory classes. I love like using my body and feeling powerful Mm -hmm. and feeling strong and just feeling so capable Mm -hmm. in that way. And that just feels really good Mm -hmm. too. And that like taps into like a different kind of energy. Mm -hmm. I've also thought too, like those are classes where there are men and women. There's usually more women than men, but there are some men in those classes. And I've thought about this too. I have never experienced like feeling like anyone's checking me out or like anything like that. But when I'm in class, I, you know, I don't know, you know, your workout wear is like revealing in a way that it's like skin tight and all this stuff. And I just like, I feel this way where I am just like, whatever you see here, oh, I know I look powerful and I look awesome (laughs) and it is not for you. And in fact, F you. I love it so much. (laughs) It is for me. Yeah, I love it so much. I like feel that to my core. Yes. I have this shirt um, that I wear. I don't have any other workout shirts that have any words on them, but this is the one that I will allow that I love. Mm-hmm. And it says in all capitals, strong as a mother. Mm-hmm. And I, I will it. include a link in the show yep, notes because I think need everyone probably. needs one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is about exercising. Ooh, I'm like, I know, right? We are preaching today. (laughs) Sorry, friends. Buckle up. (laughs) Okay. My last one, this is, this is shorter, but it's at book club. Yeah. There is a divine feminine, Mm -hmm. beautiful energy at our book club, especially when our whole book club Mm -hmm. is there and just this harmony of all of our personalities Mm -hmm. coming together. And the intellectual, like bonding as a woman over intellectual things. I always feel super like energized by when I leave, honestly. Exactly. Me too. We are discussing books, sometimes like very deep books and Mm -hmm. we'll often, you know, venture out into like politics and current events. And we don't have to listen to one word about what a man has to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a beautiful thing. It really is. And I guess I just like in reflecting on this, what I want to say to to any woman listening is like, find, find these places. What makes you feel that way? Yeah. Yeah. Find these Mm -hmm. places, find these groups of women, Mm -hmm. 
because there's something truly so powerful mm-hmm. and important yeah. about it. I, I think we all need that in our lives. I agree. Ooh. Okay, friend. I Ooh. loved this conversation. I love talking about how awesome it is to be yeah. women. I think we need to do more of this. And I think as women, we should do Mm -hmm. more of this. So we always love to hear listener thoughts on our episode. We would love to hear what all of you think about everyday and divine feminism and what you love about being a woman. I have a bonus question for you that we did not prepare for. Okay, give it to me. Is there a movie for you Mm. or a show or a book or some, some piece of consumable media that you feel like encapsulates like it makes you happy to be a woman, makes you proud of it. Is there some kind of music? Is there anything that you feel like, yes, when you listen to it in terms of connecting with your femininity? Mm, okay, I'm going to think about this more because I'm probably going to forget to mention things. But something that did just occur to me is Moana. Yes. And the Moana yes. music. Um, just because we just started listening to that with Maeve. Oh, it and hits she, different with oh, Maeve. Yeah. And she just loves it. Mm-hmm. She's probably listening to it at daycare, but she tries to sing parts of yes, it. Yes, it's she, strong. It's strong. She just literally, like in her toddler way, where they just have so much excitement, they don't know what to do. Yeah. She just starts running around the oh, island. I love she's like, you know? get me fired And she up. wants us to run with her. I love it and then, so much. Anyway, so that is very, very cool. Um, and yeah. Okay. Tell me some okay. others. So I will say about Moana, that movie made Jeremiah cry harder than any Disney movie I've ever seen because of that very reason, because he felt like we were raising girls mm. and it was such a strong, inspiring portrayal yeah. of girls. Like when she, you know, casts out yeah. on her own, he was like oh. full on tearing up. And oh. that is his favorite Disney movie still oh. to this day. And I just think it's really cool that that was his favorite. I love that. Um, okay. For me, the one I think about all of the time when we're talking about this kind of stuff is fried green tomatoes. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. Oh my gosh. Jeremiah and I just rewatched it the other day. Cause that was one of my favorites, like as a teen and you know, or young adult. And it is just all of those things. It is like the fierce protectiveness of like women friends. It's what it means to be a woman. It's pretty clear now as an adult watching it that there's like a kind of romantic relationship or one way there's some some, um, same sex like complicated feelings in there. There is like women going through change and a lot about women's bodies. Mm. And it's just, it's so good. It's so, so good. And women being the kind of people who take care of each other and uplift all oppressed people, not Mm -hmm. just other women like that. that. that They're just have a special sensitivity to that. Yeah. So I love that. Also, just Beyonce. I was and I was going to say Lizzo. Beyonce, Mm -hmm. Lizzo, Serena Williams right now. Just get it. Yes. Get it. Like, I just she was just asked if she's surprised by how she's performing in this last U.S. Open. And she's like, I mean, I'm Serena. And I was like, oh, yes. queen, I just can't. Yes. Like, I'm so, so there's just a few things like that that always make me feel proud to be a woman, mm-hmm. connected to like the good parts of being a woman and mm-hmm. the kind of woman I want to be. And yes. So. And just seeing like celebrities and not just celebrities, but these amazing uh, artists and mm-hmm. athletes just 
claiming their place. Yes. Succeeding at that level and being comfortable there. Yeah. yeah. And just unapologetic. Yes. Like, yeah, I'm here. I worked dang hard yeah. and I'm amazing. And no, Don't I'm question. not surprised. I'm exactly. tired. It's why I'm retiring. Like <laughs> exactly. I've been working real hard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and seeing her little girl watch her and so proud in her amazing. matching little tennis outfit. I, I'm not even a tennis person, but I just love it <laughs> just so much. Just here for it. Yeah. Um, when I was in early labor with Maeve, I put on a Lizzo station. Yes. And so Lizzo will also always be part of that like I love amazing, it. empowering experience I love for it. me. And that feels very special. <laughs> okay, let's talk about obsessions. What are you obsessed with? All right. Speaking of the role of women in religious circles. Speaking of it. You know I'm obsessed with polygamy. Oh, yes. And it continues. <laughs> Tell listeners, us more. Listeners will know. Tell us more. And I, I really do think this is partly why I'm obsessed with okay. this. Is like yeah. I'm obsessed with this connection between like womanhood and motherhood and like how we play, yeah. how it's used for like almost to like oppress women and mm-hmm. how, how you know what I yeah, mean? Like totally. The agency that women have in these situations. So yep. I am watching Escaping Polygamy on Hulu. Oh. It is about three sisters okay um i think two of them are full biological sisters one is their half sister because they all have the same polygamous father okay that escaped from like a truly like a polygamous cult Mm. like these this kingston clan whatever and now they have a whole show where they help other people escape (gasps) and they show them going in with their security and pulling sisters out you're here and i am here for it (laughs) i love it so much i stayed up way too late watching it last night there's like four seasons i think on hulu oh my god i love it so much and on a related programming note (laughs) sister wives returns september 11th (laughs) oh man christine has flown the coop she's like goodbye to you sir oh my gosh and I'm, I'm just here for all of it. So it's going to be a great fall with the fascination. for you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A great polygamous fall. I just want to watch these shows. I want to experience this with you. Oh, so it's so on funny. our next retreat, we might need yes, to watch yes. some polygamy I shows Jeremiah together. In, I'm telling you, because I'll be, I'll be commenting. I'll be yelling at the screen. And he's like, oh, this guy. I'm like, that's right, this guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, man. I have an obsession that I probably won't get quite as fired up about, but I'm just regularly obsessed <laughs> okay. with it. Okay, normal levels of <laughs> yes. obsession. Yes, um, that is our library card catalog it's that so is right good. in our entryway. Mm-hmm. We've actually had it for a long yeah. time, but it's just that now that the house is done, I feel like it's just like really shining. It really is next to that green door yeah. and the white wall behind yeah. it. I just feel like it, you know, really is like taking mm-hmm. that prominent space and. I love this piece of furniture so much just because of kind of the whole story about it. So I just wanted to share that briefly. So I had seen like the exact kind of piece of furniture on Instagram or mm-hmm. in somewhere. And I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, my love of libraries, yes. like the vintage look of it, just everything about it. They are so expensive, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. if you just buy them already built. And so I was like, okay, well maybe I could find something on Craigslist. Chris was like getting into woodworking. So I thought I could probably put something together um, for me. So what I did, I set up a Craigslist alert, which you can do Mm. just like an automatic search that Mm -hmm. if any new items that you know, have those search terms in it, you'll get an instant email. And that's a real specific one card catalog. Exactly. And so I put library card catalog and, you know, some things would come up, but they were super expensive or, you know, not the right size or whatever. This one came up. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just the card catalog piece. It wasn't a table mm-hmm. at all. It was listed for 50 
dollars. Oh my gosh. These always, I mean, even in terrible condition go for hundreds. Yes. So I just was like on my phone right away. Oh, I will take it and I will even give you an extra $10. I will give you all the dollars. I will be there tonight. Anyway. So it was like made, made that like, I will come and get it. It was all the way across the valley. I mean, we are talking like an hour drive. (laughs) So I was practically in California. Oh yeah. I just remember being like, okay, Chris, I'm going to drive all after dinner. I am like making which that is, I mean, you're shutting her down after dinner. Usually it it was a trek. I like got myself a snack. Like I got ready for a road trip (laughs) and I drove all the way out there, met this very nice guy it was a piece of a library card catalog that had been at his law firm. Okay. And that then when they didn't need it anymore, went all digital. He yeah. just had it anyway. And then brought it home. It actually sat in our garage for like two or three years because it was like a thing that was like, Chris, I need you to finish but this. But never or like a huge priority. Yeah, or yeah. I just didn't know how I wanted to finish it anyway. So it took forever till finally Chris was like, okay, the garage is crowded. What do you yes. need me to do? Anyway, so... Chris finally finished it for me. It didn't come with a top. So he put the wood top on, put the legs and it is a thing of beauty. And I mean, it's my favorite piece of furniture. It's in amazing. The house. I'm Thank very you. jealous of it. It's lovely. Thank you. I well, love it. Put a Craigslist alert. <laughs> yeah. And there you Chris go. I can, can put a top you on it You two can have one. <laughs> okay. That wraps up our episode. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Find us in between episodes on Instagram. We are high girls next door. The show notes for this episode are in your podcast player and on our website, girlnextdoorpodcast.com. And we love to get your emails at highgirlsnextdoor at gmail.com. Thanks so much for dropping in. Until next time, be neighborly. Still dwelling. Still Still dwelling. (laughs) Dwell with me. Okay. To loving footballs. I love footballs. I I love love, them. I want all of them. (laughs) And that's my right as a woman. (laughs) I love balls. Okay. Okay. Erica. Hold on. Stick with me, lad. (laughs) Hold on. Here we go. I'm deviating from my outline, so you know that's... (laughs) I know. I did it a couple times, too, because there's so much to say. Yeah. All of that. All right. Feminism. (laughs) And on that note... (laughs) Coming in hot. We're coming in real hot. She's turning down the air. This may get heated. This. Like a like a llama. <laughs> like a llama. I don't even know. They probably only eat hay. A tortoise. Oh perhaps. You know how you always see the tortoise cage all the You'd be like, Kelsey, I've discovered a new thing. Hey, it's the ultimate food. It's so cheap. I'm just gonna get yep. a bale and yep. I'm just gonna eat off of it yep. every day. Totally. No sauce. It's so no high salt. fiber. <laughs> okay. I turned down your skillet so you wouldn't burn down the house, by the way. I think the worst part about Instagram stories is how you have to listen to yourself when you're doing captions over and over again. I am absolutely sick of myself.